Let's do this. What is virtualization? You're going to learn today. Innovate like a startup. Deliver like an enterprise. I hope you're coffeeed up and ready because it's going to be a great day. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Virtually Speaking Podcast with Pedro Aero and John Nicholson. Good afternoon and welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast, episode number 181. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow, and joining me once again is my good friend John Nicholson. John, how you doing, buddy? Feeling kind of paranoid. Paranoid. Why is that? I've just been on a, a string of good luck. Everything's working. I got my lab all together. Oh, Nothing, how'd that go? Nothing's bad happening. Yeah, I know. I got everything. It's it's fully automated. We got all the containery things. And, you know, I, I just feel like something bad might be lurking on the horizon. So I'm... <laughs> I need to be ready. <laughs> uh, John, I, I, I do love you, man. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm always tickled by your segues, by your, <laughs> by your, your cheesy intros. They, they warm my heart. They truly do. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I, well, I hope your lab is okay, and I don't want you to be worried. And because I knew you were worried, I, 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 w- I had the forethought to bring on this gentleman uh, to talk a little bit about DR as well as ransomware, something that we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast. Uh, and so without further ado, Mike McLaughlin, this is uh, uh, episode number two for you, man. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. Happy to chat about a couple of things that are top of mind here. And John, we might be able to take care of those uh, those feelings you're having. <laughs> like chemically with pills or with, with software? So we'll no, with, with just with just good IT practices. IT practices and tacos. We'll take care of you, John. So, uh, yeah, um, John, uh, we, we've done a few really fun episodes in the past. You know, we've done some, you know, Fire Flood Bloods. Remember Fire those? Flood Blood. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun talking about the various disasters, what you can do to prepare for those and, you know, failovers, all kinds of good stuff. But we haven't touched a lot on ransomware, which is a big part of, uh, heck, if, if you've got ransomware problems, you better have a good DR plan. Am I right? Yep, that's, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, Mike, I was talking to you the other day, and, and that came up. You know, you came from Daytrim. You, you're definitely uh, well-versed in the DR products uh, and solutions that VMware is offering today. And so, yeah, I thought it would be really cool to have a conversation with you. So why don't we just maybe start with a quick high level uh, and just talk a little bit about what, what is the main problem uh, that people are seeing these days as it pertains to ransomware? So ransomware is is one of those disasters that makes the top of the list for for IT organizations and, and disaster recovery is one of those problems that typically doesn't get the attention that it, it really needs yeah. so that you end up feeling like John this morning, you know, everything's going good, but, you know, and so we, what we were looking at from the disaster recovery perspective is what kind of, you know, framework environment, IT practices could you put into your organization so that those disasters um, are easier to mitigate or easier to, to recover from. And, and, and what would it take? And ransomware is one of these really interesting ones because you don't get a, a lot of, like you don't turn on the news and a storm is coming in or you don't live in a you know, earthquake zone and know that you've got to deal with you know, power outages. You know, your staff's completely trained, everything's good, but ransomware is, is a malicious attack. And the, the thing that's, that's probably toughest about it is, is it typically introduces itself into an organization very innocently and then sits by for a while. And, and, you know, percolates or, you know, begins sort of spreading throughout the community and you don't even know it's there Mm. until some event, 
You know, you don't, you don't sit there and like take your pulse every day and go, oh, did I get ransomware today? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's one of these things where the attack happens typically days, weeks, sometimes even months before the, the incident shows up. And so a typical DR plan, you know, you know, backups might not be enough. You can't just like fail over and say, well, let's just, let's just restart from an hour ago, because that's not necessarily going to solve the problem. Hmm. So we were looking at this as more, more holistic and saying, look, what are some of the key things that you would want in your environment to help basically come back from something like a ransomware attack, where I've got a day zero aspect of sort of an infection spread, and then the, the event occurs, all right? So the first thing you're going to need, you're going to need to have some level of recovery point protection, backups, whatever you want to call it, that span a longer period of time than most people are thinking about. And, and, I, and I say that because I'm not saying you want to roll your business back six months and start over, but finding the, the you know, case zero, for example, yeah. or finding the attack vector, you don't want to be like shuffling through the you know, last hour's rubbish to do that. You want to have an environment that has protection points that can get you back in short term, but also can go back a little bit deeper in case you got to dig a little deeper to find out when this actually started. You know, did it start last week? Did it start last month? You know, where, where did this come from? And, and that's part of the forensics of just getting through it, but it's also being able to have your systems protected so that if you find a clean point, you can roll back the time machine and say, let's start from here and get back into business. So the recovery points um, have to be sort of wide and varied. That's one aspect. Yeah, for sure. The other thing is they need to be kind of away from the core environment. The what last thing you want to do is... Have, like, like if you're if you're if your backup server, for example, is sitting right on the network next to the systems it's protecting, it can very easily get ransomed as well, ah, or okay. infected, or or by you know, there's nothing protecting it from being part of the the you know what happened to your infrastructure. So they they they, they kind of say air gapping these things. Well, that, nothing's truly air gapped. Well, because otherwise, how do you get data in? I mean, I've seen some creative stuff of like, okay, we've got a switch that connects to the weekly archive and it's on an egg timer that auto like kills the power to the switch. I'm like, okay, this is getting kind of like Rube Goldberg machinery here. <laughs> yeah, like the, the only way to sort of really air gap things is to, is to put something in a vacuum seal bag and carry it somewhere else and unlock it. <laughs> yeah, fair right. play. But, but if, you, if you think about protecting your data to, a, to another location, another site, over another set of you know, secure networks, in a format, in a structure that's not easily attacked the same way the original systems were attacked, you have a higher degree of competence that when you go to open up those copies, that now some of them are going to be infected, but they're not going to infect the thing that allows you to open the copies. All right, you want to be able to get to the work. Well, it also makes sense to have the authentication for this separate, this whatever this other secondary, you know, copy not tied to your Active Directory. And if yeah, you have absolutely. unique passwords for it, you have them, you know, uh, in, in a safe or something, not you know, sitting. Well, uh, and even even a little bit more than that is is you'd like to make sure that the other copies aren't getting sort of inadvertently infected with something. So that if there's you know, data integrity checks that occur on that and a number of just sort of housekeeping so that you know that I, I want to know that the data that I sent there yesterday is still the data I sent there yesterday. Yeah. And I and, and if it's what I want to use, that's what I want. So immutability, so I don't want immutability of that, that construct of because I wrote it, it can't it's not going to change kind of like what we used to uh, use tape for, you know, that yeah. write once, you know, read many or really we should have called it write once, read, hopefully never. Um, 
kind of constructs of something yeah. of once it's written, it's not easily overwritten or I, I, you know, once it goes to Iron Mountain, it's going to sit there for seven years and we'll remember exactly everything. And then for, you know, maybe e-discovery reasons, we won't remember where the tapes are at seven years in one day, but at least for that, that point, we can recover it. Yeah. The word that we like to use for that is immutable. Is, you know, it, I mean, it, it's basically, you've written it there. It's, 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 it is what it is. It's not going to change just because it's sitting somewhere that you can't get to or, or something else gets to it. It's an, it's an immutable copy at some point in time of one of your systems. So having those recovery points, having them be immutable, having them be kind of offsite, those are a couple of the things. But one of the interesting other aspects is kind of how do you bring a system back to life in an infected environment? You know, yeah, I mean, it's tricky. like, I mean, you're, you're looking around and everybody's, you know, like powered off their systems or disconnected the network and you're trying to bring things up. So having a, a you know, a green field or a clean slate or a, a clean room or someplace where you could take your system over there, bring it back to life, look at it, see if it's, if it's viable or not. All right. Maybe throw it away and do that again. Just keep rolling back until you find something you can work with. These are part of the recovery practices that if you don't have the tools to do that, you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. All right. Now, let's just say I've got a system that's sitting there and I've got, you know, recovery points going back over the last hours, days, weeks. And I'm like, well, you know, it's a little bit of a hunting game. You don't know exactly when it hit. You're doing a combination of forensics and recovery and panic and a bunch of things. But if you could bring that system, that, that virtual machine, that application online in, in an isolated environment, in a, we'll call it a test bubble, all right, in a, in a clean slate environment, like let's say we another data center, <laughs> all right, or another, let's just say another rack, you know, somewhere. Yeah. It's all, it's all kind of virtual these days. Well, but the, the location, the proximity of where the recovery is to where we're recovering to matters because um, if I'm trying to recover, like, let's say I have an environment that's 100 terabytes, trying to slurp 100 terabytes, you know, over the wire, one, my source, my dark, my target destination WAN may be insufficient to restore that in a timely manner. Oh, yeah. Uh, two, there may be some real cost to doing that. Some of these public cloud providers, you try to send it 100 terabytes out of them in's fine they're all yeah, hotel yeah. california if you try to send 100 terabytes out you're like great i've got half a million dollar data transfer bill or something if i didn't have a direct line for that but it's you know there's having that that it's otherwise the speed because it gets back to the the challenge i had with tape and going into the you know the the copper pewter mountain or whatever was okay i've got an immutable copy i've got a data i've got I've got, you know, the retention I need, but the restore speed involves calling someone and getting a truck and then feeding tapes for days. And I mean, I've been that guy who had to do a restore that revolved. It, it, it felt like it was a lot of tapes. There's probably only like 10 tapes, but I had to sit there and load them because it was a single loader. And like I spent two days just feeding tapes into the stupid server. And that's after I had done a single bare metal restore. And I can only imagine the hell of trying to do, you know, tape restores. So, I mean, what's what's new, I guess, to solve these challenges of immutability, but still offer some some better restore speed and proximity? Yeah. So the interesting thing is the um, let's let's take that 100 terabyte example. So imagine that you've been, and I'll say trickling that in a change rate to a, to a remote location for a long period of time. And now you've got it, you have it somewhere else where you can get access to it quickly, bring it online and like literally power on that system without worrying about a, a lengthy restore or a network transit at that point. And then you, you could, you could say, well, this, this hundred terabytes looks okay, but I like this hundred terabyte copy better. All right. So these these recovery points that are sitting in the cloud, and I'm going to get down to some of the details here, is with VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery, we're backing up 
protecting your on-prem environments into a cloud repository that is essentially immediately available to a cloud data center. So I can spin up an SDDC clean slate in uh, VMC on AWS. And you don't and have to buy servers and rack them. And like, you know, if something, let's say it was, there was also issues with that. I mean, normally just procurement, let's say, I've seen plenty of people who had a DR site, they replicated the data there, but the compute was like some nine-year-old servers. It wasn't enough to run it. And when you start looking at that procurement cycle to get anything bought in a rack, it's two to three weeks. Or it wasn't sized properly. And even though they had, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, the, the, what you have in production versus what you have in DR, if that doesn't match, you're in trouble. Well, yeah. that, the elasticity of the cloud and the, and the currency, the, the, not the monetary currency, the, the timeliness, the, the, the systems running in the cloud tend to be latest and greatest. And the elasticity of the cloud you could say, well, you know, I, I need to spin up a fairly large footprint. I'm going to reserve that. I'm going to, you know, that's part of my subscription model. You know, I've, I've, I, because I'm looking at sizing my solution. So if I've got a very big infrastructure that I want to have a recovery capability for, I might need to have, you know, some, some credits on hand so that I can make that call and say, spin me up a dozen servers in the next couple of hours so that I can bring this 150, 100 terabytes to life and clean it up. Yeah. And then, well, and as then opposed I to, have to go through a procurement there, cycle but... in the middle of those are always the hilarious ones of like everything's on fire, you know, the exchange has been hacked, we need to recover, we need to rebuild. Oh, who's got a credit card? Who can authorize a purchase? And it's like, uh, like that there's you make an interesting point that to a certain degree, already kind of having a, an agreement set up for your DR, you know, as a service offering. And one of the benefits is that no one's having to make a financial decision and find someone who's authorized to spend $40,000 or something um, yeah. in the middle of a, a horrible, you know, situation. It's probably why ransomware even exists because people know they play on the vulnerabilities and they're like, you don't have what it takes to get back up and running. Why don't you just pay this bill and get decrypted, right? I'm, I, I don't know this on good authority, but I, 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 ca I have to imagine there are many people that have to contemplate that and say, well, we're not prepared and we need this data back. So we have to pay the bill. Well, right. you don't you don't pay the bill, Pete. You got it because, you know, you might be paying some terrorists or someone on a State Department watch list. You pay a recovery company ah. who then negotiates and looks in 90 percent of the time they're paying the bill for you so you can have deniability. Um, but that's yeah. It, when you look at that's your alternatives, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, like I'm paying someone who then pays someone who might have ties to a state sponsored. So dark. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's, let's, let's just, this, this is a little bit more like an insurance program where you you're like, well, how much deductible do I want to have on an event and, oh, and you I, make, that, you... I, that I, that I can sustain without like going and get permission. Well, some and, of the, and... you, you mentioned the insurance, but this is actually a thing now to where some of the ransomware operators are trying to find your insurance policy and then they know what they can oh, demand. It's, it's, it's its own They're business. like, oh, you have a $4 million policy. Yeah. We want four and a half million. So <laughs> It's incredible. Just, just just to make the sweat a little bit harder. Yeah, I know. It's it's a malicious business. And it, and it and it's actually the way that we're operating, you know, especially in today's world, it's it's prevalent because they find that entry point very easily into organizations, begin to permeate through and then they go, "Okay, we we we've, we've now infected, you know, a thousand people in this in this corporation. It's time to pull the trigger or it's April 1st or, you know, whatever." And and there you're done. Yeah. So I'm not saying that VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery is like a silver bullet cure for ransomware. What it, what, it, what it gives you is a set of tools and some practices that you can have in your arsenal so that should that happen to your organization, you're like, hang on a second. I've stored viable backups offsite. They're air-gapped. They're immutable. I've got the range of time that I think I've been 
you know, running through here. I've got procedures that I can bring them online in isolated test bubbles, completely, you know, isolated from the rest of my environment and inject them with additional scripts and stuff that I want to do so that I can bring that patient back to life. And I, it's, it's, it's a time machine. It's an IT time machine. You basically say, look, I, I, I want to roll back to before the bad thing happened. Well, I, I like this idea. In the blanks. About, <laughs> I need well, one of those. <laughs> you know, I, I like the idea as part of this recovery discussion. Previously, it was like, how fast can we recover? Can we hit the button and the VMs are all there? And it's like, okay, no, we need to we need to think about which interval we need to maybe bring the VMs up in a bubble network or on isolated networks and run some let the forensics people do their job. Um, you know, even beyond ransomware, uh, internal threat. Maybe we had someone in sales delete a bunch of stuff on the way out. They got angry. You know, we need to find out when that happened. So there's there's lots of opportunities for where you need to be able to be a little slower on your recovery. We all think about recovery as being um, needing instant to be gratification. Fast. Certainly it needs to be fast, you know, instant gratification, as you say, but it, it also needs to be something to where we need to operationally be able to sometimes, you know, kind of slow walk it. Um, that said, you also don't want to be the guy in the closet feeding tapes or that person, you know, who it's like, wait a minute, we put all this in some magic dedupe box and it's going to take us like, you know, four days to rec- pull the data out. Like, no, thank you. Like there's, that's that's another conversation. I just had this morning with a customer is people have bought, you know, sometimes for their data protection story, they're like, oh, I've got this magic dedupe box and it ingests data at this rate. And it's like, okay, what's it ingest at? <laughs> and, yeah, that, that wasn't part of the specs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, if, if the vendor publishes <laughs> ingest and they don't publish recovery speed of a large recovery, then you, 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 you know, you're putting data in Glacier, not in S3, you know, data where you shouldn't be, you know, the recovery time doesn't matter because it's never supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things with the VMware DR solutions is, is recovery time is set up so that the the other site, the DR, the DR site, and in this case, uh, I'm talking about a, a DR site that's actually running in the cloud that spins up to the size that it needs when you need it in, in fairly short order. And it's not instantaneous, but it might take, you know, an hour or two or three to, to build the environment out, but that the data is sitting there right under the environment. So I don't have to do like a huge restore or a rehydration, I can bring things into service and begin to find that point that is going to be useful to my business to get back into business. And it could be something as simple as like, hey, here's here's the latest recovery point before the infection alarm went off. And we can still get to the data through just normal copy mechanisms. You know, we can we can extract that we can scrape the data off this machine onto a healthy machine and put it back into light. We don't necessarily need to go in because one of the other things that's kind of tough about something like this is is the long term effect. You know, your system gets infected. That machine might be carrying that bit of malware the rest of its life. You don't know. I mean, what you want to do is you want to say, I'm going to find a way to also clean my environment. So I, I need to be able to get to valid data. I need to figure out when it happened. I need to have mechanisms to rebuild and repopulate my environment and then eventually bring it back into the smoking hole in the ground that the FBI just finally left. Well, and that's that's an interesting angle. They separate the data from kind of the application because if yeah. the application's compromised, well, let's say Exchange. I'm going to pick on Microsoft because you know <laughs> there was an incident recently. I think where a couple Exchange servers got hacked, and you know you may look at this and be like, you know what, we're just going to deploy some new Exchange servers to a new patch level. But can we go scrape those VMDKs that have the EDBs, you know, the Exchange databases, and yeah. just bolt them on and ingest them? Because that's a completely that's another valid recovery method in some of this. So maybe you're like, you know what? I just want the last good copy of the data, 
but I don't want the application volume where all the hacking, the I, you know, the INET, exactly. uh, the IIS server, like that thing. Yeah. I don't even want to go dig through 20 copies to find a clean one. I just want the last good copy of the database before, you know, it got offline. Yep, and then I'll go build, rebuild the app. That's yeah. not that hard. Yeah, it'd be nice if you could do that without reloading like 20 tapes. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's nice about kind of when I understand how uh, the D the DR solution works here is it's using S3, but it's it's running that through a scale out file system. And so for my storage I/O nerds out there, you're able to um, one redirect the writes so that they're not necessarily you're not writing block back to S3 here uh, for your transactions once you boot those VMs, but also the read path you're able to put a ton of RAM in front of it and just build a giant cache. So that way you're able to build a block shim layer that performs well uh, without having to yank all the data out and go restore it. Because that's been a thing I've seen in the past, like backup products that just chunked a backup copy into an S3 bucket. And it's like, okay, you got to re well, restore it before you do anything. Yeah. And that's actually an interesting twist on how we can leverage the cloud architecture too, is that protected copy that I'm going to, you know, mount instantly and, 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 and I'll just say peruse to see if it's what I want. As soon as I know that that's the one that I want, I can commit that into the cloud operations. And in the background, it'll actually migrate itself off of that S3 fully into the, into the, uh, the cloud environment and run it performance. So I can then stay in that mode of operation until cleanup is completely done. Oh, nice. That's really smooth. So that's just a storage of emotion is basically what it's doing under the hood, right? It's just pulling yep. it out of the NFS. It happens in the background. Yeah. yeah. So when I, once I find the, you know, it's like you start picking through, it's like, I like the, I mean, imagine being able to browse backup tape contents without loading them all. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not like, oh, this file is here, but I can see that the file is actually oh, that's, working. That's the, the other one is when you lose the content catalog and the tape, and you got to recatalog all the you tapes catalog. when you through a store. Man, you're yeah. just bringing back all of my hatred of tape. Uh, tape's I'm, great, but I'm, I'm, ru I'm ruining that vibe you had at the beginning of the call. I'm still I'm worried. Nostalgic about tape. I'm like, it's immutable and it's cheap as hell. And man, does it take a lot. Like, it's it, tape is great for sitting on the shelf and never coming off it. Like, you know, tape is it's uh it's something that when the lawyers show up and are like, we want to do e-discovery, you can point at and be like, Yeah, it'll be expensive. Are you sure you want to? Like the weaponizing, you know, malicious compliance is what tape is for, not oh, my, for DR recovery. My daughter, obviously, you know, she's never seen a cassette tape in her life. And she's like, wait a minute, you had to rewind a song if you wanted to hear it again. <laughs> you had to fast forward a tape to get to the next song. I'm like, yeah, imagine doing that for data recovery. Don't 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 show her what an eight track is because if you want to get to the last song on the on the distribution. Well, and what's yeah. what's cool with these systems that you're building out, you know, within on top of the S3 buckets is that you can assemble the catalogs already there, the metadata is already there to assemble it. Versus, like, if you look at how we did immutable backups before, you know, you couldn't do forever incrementals like you can do now. Like you can slowly trickle that data, like we were talking earlier, which lowers your costs and your overheads. With tape, you needed to do a full weekly at the very least. Otherwise, you're gonna, you know, otherwise you're gonna have like 400 tapes to have to to go through to to assemble that, and that, that put a lot of load on the system, frankly, because a lot of environments like they were never really nowadays like with forever differentials, we don't even need to ever do a full after the first one. And since you're doing fulls one VM at a time as they get created, like you know, there was a lot more over engineering, frankly, we had to do to support that. It's that interesting you, you say that because the the scale out cloud file system that sits there in you know offsite holding your recovery points actually operates much like that. 
you know, but when, when you set up the insurance policy and you start protecting to VMware Cloud Disaster Recovery, we make that first payload and that might trickle for a while over the network. You get that first image, right? But from that point on, we're basically tracking changes and moving incremental changes to the cloud file system, but we're integrating those behind the scenes into those basically full reference point immutable snapshots. Synthetic. So that, so that if I want to pick, you know, February 12th, I don't have to like build it on the fly. It's sitting there already ready for me. Yeah. If I want February 11th, it's sitting there as well. And they're all independent and immutable. And that's part of the, the, the structure of the scale out cloud file system is that it's, it's doing that forever incremental for you based on, a, a, you know, that trickle rate once things get going. But it's also deduping that all together. So at the same time, I'm also, you know, to have a full restore set, it's not like you have one full suitcase, you know, every week that's sitting there. You're it's it is single instancing yeah. this. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of stuff below the scenes with with log structure and and deduplication and checksumming that make all of that work. I mean, those are file systems that we've had around now for decades that are basically now sitting on top of of, of S3 cloud storage. So it's it's not only efficient in that sense, but it's also has these other layers built on top of it that let us do things like roll back to yesterday, roll back to last week and not have to move a bunch of bits around because it's all pointed to right there. All right. It's kind of, kind of a good twist too, because once I find that working copy and I'm up, you know, let's say I, I get a couple of my systems back up and running and I'm operating from my clean data center in the cloud. All right. And I haven't paid the ransom, at least not all of it yet. Um, the changes that I make to those while they're in the cloud will be tracked as well. So getting back to my clean site can be mitigated depending on how much you, you know, what actions you take there too. I mean, there, there are some caveats, but, but the idea is we don't want you to like fail over to the cloud and be, you know, sort of stuck there. We want that to be your clean room environment to get back either to the known copy that you need, to find the forensics, to get core services back up and running, to, to scrape off data, to do all the things that you're going to need to probably do anyways, mm -hmm. and hopefully not get stuck paying the ransom. That's all that's going to do is get you a decrypt key for some period of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I will encourage the listeners to go out there and read some of these reports of basically the negotiations with ransomware. A couple of these have leaked out because they were for public institutions or they just got left on the internet. And man, they're hilarious. Like being like, yeah, you want 3 million. How about 600,000? And they're like, why do you insult us? You should just take that money and buy everyone McDonald's. Like, I mean, it's, it's oh my stakes, like <laughs> negotiations and it's like, read these things and think, you know, I don't want to be the guy who's caught in the middle of that at all. Like, no, no, I don't want to be between the, you know, going to finance and being like, instead of asking for $2 million for, you know, a new, a new cluster or something fun being like, Hey, I need 2 million to get our data back. And, you know, yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd rather let somebody else go into negotiations and I'll put my tech hat on and say, look, give me a, give me a little bit of time. I'm going to go grab a couple of these infected machines and, and try to bring them back to life with, with my time machine. Yeah, yeah. So I BC, don't know, Pete, Pete seems ahead. like he'd be a good hostage negotiator. <laughs> I might have to look into that. Uh, it'll be it'll be my uh, it'll be my part time job. Yeah. So my VCDR doesn't actually detect ransomware, and it doesn't actually fix ransomware, but it seems like it does every other part of it. Gives me the ability to work somewhere in a safe location. I can cloudburst. I can actually create a an environment where I can test, find the right location to where my data is good, and then get back up and running pretty quickly. Is that accurate? That that's that's pretty close. Yeah, we're we're not we're not detecting it, so we're not we're not guarding you against ransomware. Um, there's there's it's really hard to prevent. Uh, is is one other thing is you know you can sort of have the 
the guards and guns and gates model, but this is, you know, we're, we're assuming uh, with, with, with this disaster that you've already encountered the disaster. And we want to have a, as a set of tools yeah. in your toolkit that give you a fighting chance. Because even, even if you pay the ransom and get the decrypt key, you, you still have infected machines oh, and yeah. you're going to be sitting there every day thinking, oh, am I going to get another call? Exactly. Is there going to be a variant of this crop up somewhere else in my environment? You know, all sorts of things. So you, you want to have the tools to be able to get back into business, at least for the critical systems. And this might not be a one size fits all either. I mean, you might pick this as a solution for, you know, a couple of your key systems to know that you've got insurance. You know, maybe not the entire enterprise, but mm. you know the exchange servers or a couple of key databases or file systems or something that that you want to make sure you have some other opportunity to bring back a clean system. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Carolina Accounting wanting like you know that one spreadsheet or that that little app you know that Carolina Accounting uses. There's a difference between that and you know the core ERP or you know the sales tracking system. God help you if all the salespeople can't get work done. <laughs> yeah, they will. Or all the marketing assets. <laughs> Yeah. Cat photos, you know, there's, there's a different, there's a tiering of data, you know, there's some responsibilities. So. <laughs> yeah. Good so, point. But yeah, without getting into like the, the, the nitty gritty details of VMware cloud disaster recovery, I mean, I think that it, like I said, it's, it, it's a, it's a platform to, to give you uh, recovery mechanisms and ransomware is one of those things that it, we think it gives you a better fighting chance. And I'd say, you know, go, go take a look at it because you're, you're going to use the cloud as a clean room. You're going to have the ability to protect it, the, the the applications that you pick at various levels of retention, which is which is huge for this kind of sort of roll forward, roll back time machine aspect. So you're not just stuck with like the last 24 hours or the last you know six copies or something. Right. And then the mechanisms for failing that over and 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 getting back either into finding the root of the problem or getting operations up and running. Um, there's a lot of flexibility in the way that those those DR plans can be orchestrated as well. So. So how do, how does one research that? Is that is there a site that that has some possible technical information about this? Maybe some demonstrations or anything like that? So I, I'd say on, on VMware.com, if you go in and, and you um, in the search type in disaster, <laughs> there's actually a, a, a disaster recovery page that comes up. This is one of the one of the core products from VMware that 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 covers that. There are a couple of others for for you know different I'll say different IT specifics but this is one that is uh, I think uniquely identified as as a, as an option for attacking this kind of a problem. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then and then when they decide it's good, well you know, if you have any problems, you just call Mike, you know, uh, you know, reach out to us, we'll give you his number. You know, you can call him at home. Yeah, that's my that's my side job. We'll <laughs> <laughs> be the hostage negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be the recovery administrator. <laughs> John's got the cowboy hat. We got to we got to make him the negotiator. <sighs> Yeah, no, I just need a bullhorn and uh, a penchant for annoying everyone. No, I can <laughs> nerves of steel. <laughs> nice. I, th I think from the early conversation, John might actually be the hostage at this point. <laughs> yeah. Everybody plays part. Everybody plays a part. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for joining us, man. Um, I will leave links uh, to the relevant blog posts uh, and possible videos on the uh, show notes of this page. And I'll give you the last word, Mike. What are your closing thoughts? VCDR, ransomware. So with, with VCDR and ransomware, it's like the insurance is important. Um, and, and, you know, there's, we've gone through a lot in the last year in the world of just like dealing with fighting stuff like this. Your IT organization deserves a fighting chance. So I'd say take a, take a close look at it. Look at the cloud as, a, as an opportunity uh, to, 
to leverage what you could use it for and and you know find a path to you know to sleep better at night basically well said well said all right well that music tells me it's time to go and so if you want to get in touch with us send us an email at podcast at vmware.com you can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching virtually speaking podcast you can catch this in all episodes at vspeakingpodcast.com a big thanks to mike mclaughlin for talking some ransomware and vcdr we're back next time but until then bye for now Enough of this jibber-jabber. <laughs>